fellow Bookstew viewers. Today I'm lucky enough to have with me uh, in the studio author Ray Daniel. Uh, Ray so far has written four mysteries that involve the same character. And when I first started reading them, and I've read all four and really enjoyed all four, um, the character Tucker put me in mind of uh, Robert B. Parker's Spencer, which I'm sure Ray has heard before, except that Tucker is an IT guy, which makes it, uh, a, it gives it a little bit of a different spin. So in front of me, you'll see Ray's four Tucker books and also a new um, anthology that he's part of that we'll talk about in a little bit. But I'm just going to read you a description of each book and then we'll talk some to Ray. So the first book is called Terminated, and uh, this, these are my own reviews. Here's the first of a new series set in Boston, which might eventually be a newer type of Spencer for Hire. Tucker's a software programmer, a debugging geek genius who has a good sense of humor and has had a miserable prior six months, having found his wife murdered in their kitchen and getting fired from his job all on the same day. So that's how the series starts out with uh, poor Tucker with his dead wife and his lack of a job. Then it moves on to, the series moves on to Corrupted Memory, and what I said here is that the second in the series has even a better plot than the first, Terminal, uh, Terminated, which was the first. It involves industrial espionage at a Raytheon-like company and Tucker's father, mother, and her rediscovered large Italian family in the north end of Boston. That's Corrupted Memory. And then Child Not Found, here I said, Tucker's about as close to Spencer as we're going to get since Robert B. Parker's death. He's an IT guy, a debugger, and this in his third outing, we learn of his connection to the Boston mob in the form of his cousin Sal. So that's the third book. And then the fourth book is Hacked, and that came out in 2017. So these started 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017. I truly enjoyed all the prior Tuckers, not in the least because of his powers of observation of Boston and its neighborhoods, police, FBI, IT creeps, and lawyers. And I must mention also that um, Tucker has two pet hermit crabs that are named Click and Clack, which yeah. um, made my heart sing because of our old sports duo, Click and Clack. So without a further introduction, because yeah. that was long enough, Welcome, Ray. Oh, thank you. Glad to be here. And I'd love to hear you tell us how the character of Tucker formed for you. You know, it's, it's kind of an interesting process because it's just so long and slow. Uh, I originally had, uh, as, you, as you know, that I, I was a big Robert B. Parker fan. Um, I used to tell people that I like to read first-person wisecracking Boston-based mysteries. Uh -huh. So when it came time to write, I wanted to write a first-person wisecracking <laughs> Boston-based mystery. And, um, and then the other aspect of, this is mystery writers in general, many of us uh, do what I did, which is I'm, a, I'm an engineer by trade, design computer chips. Uh, many of us create a first series with a character that did, does what we do. Uh -huh. And that's why, you, you'll like um, Linda Barnes, for example, yes. her first series. Carlotta Carlisle. No, before that. There oh, was, no. She had before that, there was an actor. And I forget the name of that series, but her first character was an actor oh. because she was an actor. And then she went along several, and then she decided she needed more of a PI character, and she created Carlotta, Carlotta Carlisle uh, after that, right? And so, the, and you'll see this over and over, this kind of a pattern that develops. So this was my foray into that. And, um, and Tucker, 
transitioned quite a bit. He started out really uh, as a much more, uh, first few drafts, he was more depressed, and then he became less depressed. And then well, of course, having your wife murdered and losing your job all in the same on day. On the same day, right. create a bit of depression. It, it does it, and, um, <laughs> and certainly Tucker has his rough time because of that. Um, but, but a couple of things that, that, uh, that just sort of formed naturally with Tucker was, uh, one thing I like about books, and I liked uh, Dennis Lehane for this, was I liked books where the character was in real danger. And the fact that Tucker is a hacker, he doesn't know how to use a gun. If someone wants to beat him up, they just beat him up. It's ah. really not, he's not gonna fight very well. He's just gonna get. That's interesting. I didn't think about um, specifically having your character be in danger. That's, I, I mean, that's like, do you, oh, let me ask you the, the quick mystery versus thriller versus intrigue question. Right. So um, I had an, another uh, mystery author, thriller author, Peter Swanson on. Okay. And I asked him about the di what he felt the difference, why he said he writes thrillers instead of mysteries. Do you have a feeling for whether your Tuckers are mysteries or thrillers? Or it's funny you should ask me that. I thought I was writing mystery. And then a lot of people who read it said, oh, that you were, you, no, it's a thriller. I'm like, really? It's like a dead person and he finds out who did it. Isn't that a mystery? Um, but, but apparently that in some people's minds, the thriller um, genre is sort of this fast-paced, page-turning kind of, uh, of a book. And these are definitely that. I, I, I like to read that. I like to write that. I like the notion of someone buying my book in Logan Airport and reading it for six hours and landing in L.A. and the time just and went then fast. going to the going in L.A. to the airport, hoping you can find the next, next in the thing. series. Exactly right. right? <laughs> and uh, but it's that I like that kind of fast-paced page-turning thing, and some people call that thriller. Uh, though generally speaking, uh, broadly speaking, thriller is usually a case uh, where uh, something uh, something bad is going to happen, and everybody knows that the bad guy knows it's going to happen because the bad guy's going to do it. Good guy's gonna know it knows it happened because he found out some way, and it's an effort to stop the bad guy from doing the thing. That's more of your classic thriller oh, genre. Oh, okay. And then the okay. mystery is more so someone's dead. Why are they dead? Who killed them? Here are the characters, and and the and the reader is sort of playing along in this, trying to figure it out. Do you think it ma Do you think it matters a lot? Like when when you launched what your priority was making sure that it was fast-paced that was one of your like yeah when you think about how you created Tucker like what was important to you You said first-person narration what else was important to you about him uh, I wanted him to be 35 <laughs> oh uh, don't we all yeah exactly right <laughs> um, but I but I found my 30s to be a really challenging time uh, you're sort of you've got kids you don't you sort of have a career, you're trying to figure out what you want to do in your life. And it's almost like a second adolescence it was, at least for mm. me. And, and Tucker's been thrown into that because his life got turned upside down. And so I, so I liked him being 35. I liked him being uh, relatively fit. Uh, I, tw I turned a lot of things that are his details that made them the opposite of mine. When Tucker's upset, he doesn't eat. <laughs> when I'm upset, I do eat, <laughs> uh, things like that. What about, um, so Tucker, one of the best characters, I think, in the series, and correct me if I'm not saying is it right, is Yael? Yael, yeah, you are saying it right. Tell us about Yael. 
So uh, Yael's, a, an, Yael's a good example of taking a notion and, and turning it on its head. So my original Tucker being someone who can't fight is going to have to have a sidekick who can fight. And, ah. and that's a trope you'll see in a lot of um, Joe Pike, for example, in the Robert Kreis books, Hawk with Spencer, right? right? It's, a, it's a trope to have this, this, uh, this, this person who does some of the, uh, the physical work. And uh, so Tucker needed one of those. And my original concept was that it was going to be some guy uh, who, 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 who was like a gangster kind of guy. And I sat down to, to write the first scene where Tucker would be introduced to this character. And I, and I sort of came to the realization, like, well, no, you know, that's just the first thing that popped into my head. And it's going to be the first thing that pops into someone else's head. Mm. Well, what could I do that would be the opposite of this? Well, one would be to make her a woman. Uh, and then to go the whole Israeli assassin route. And then what Yell turned into is an archetype, which I, I like. It's an archetype I like, but you, it's sort of the, it's called Shiva the Destroyer archetype. It's, it's, it's a woman. Uh, she wears usually black. She has a flat emotional affect. Mm. Uh, Agent May falls in that category. Uh, the woman, um, Elizabeth Salander, a little yeah, bit falls yeah. in that category. Uh, Nikita falls in that category, right? So that notion of this sort of kick-ass woman is a character that everybody tends to like. So was she the second one that popped into your head, or? Yeah, yeah. I started just twisting all of the all of the basic knobs the other direction. So, how often, as a writer, have you gone with the first thing that popped into your head? Um, I guess I do. I do it if if I like it. I'll, I'll go with it right up right up front. But generally speaking, the first thing that pops into one's head is the obvious thing. And uh, readers are very smart and have read a lot of books. And, and if they know the obvious thing, if you know the obvious thing, they know the obvious thing. So you really have to take the time to come up with something that, that's a little bit different than, than what you normally so when see. So when you were first coming up with Tucker, when, like where and how did you do your thinking about about the characters, mm. and then about, did you think of characters first, plot first, setting? You knew you wanted to place him in Boston, right? I knew I wanted to place him in Boston. Uh, I knew I wanted the, the story set in high tech. The story itself in Terminated about stealing source code is actually a story from my industry. Uh, my industry has a, a CEO once who not only, uh, we have one company that just flat out stole its source code from another company so blatantly that when an engineer saw the other company's program running, he thought to himself, I thought I fixed that bug. Ooh. And he was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and um, so that was pretty blatant. That, that was like FBI came in, took hard drives, and the, wow. whole, the whole thing. We had a CEO who, uh, who modified some notebooks to try to win a patent suit, then tried to make it look they wouldn't, he didn't know where the notebooks were, then tried to make it look like they were stolen, then got arrested for uh, for uh, tampering with evidence and obstruction of justice, then got arrested at the airport with ten thousand dollars and things. Oh fly. Uh, so the, so IT is just as sleazy as everything else. It is. The, the last thing the CEO did was he literally got arrested for being in prison, trying to hire someone to murder the judge. 
and Ooh. and and so I'm like, geez, I could do high tech. I think there's <laughs> there's, a, there's enough going on there. So um, we were just talking before the show started, and you're t you were telling me sad that you this might be the end of Tucker after four books or temporarily anyway. Temporary. Ter so I've written uh, my the book I just finished. Uh, I, I mean, like this weekend. Ah. Uh, is is called The Worst of Times, and it's a standalone book, so it doesn't have any connection to Tucker. Uh, it's set in Boston, uh, and uh, in that book, a, uh, a white Boston cop murders a black PI Ooh. because of what happened when they went to high school together during forced busing. Oh, wow. That, that time is really ripe for exploration, isn't it? Don't yeah, you think? it's... A, it, it's, it's um, you know, for all of us who grew up in Boston, it's a very emotional time. It's a very emotional time to remember. Uh, and there was just a lot of uh, dramatic juice in it. And, and so the story has a, a 1975 story set in a fictional high school in South Boston and a modern story with the same characters dealing with the murder and the protests and what's going on in Boston. Wow. So Talk about timely and ripped from the headlines. I know, right? Unfortunately, uh, we, I, we've been saying that now for years when I tell people about that. But when I started yeah. working on it, when I first came up with the idea, someone said, oh, yeah, I guess in three or five years it'll still be timely. I'm like, yeah. yeah unfortunately, unfortunately, since it's been that way for 50 or 100 years. Right. But, um, but I'm, I really love the book. I, uh, I hope it finds a home. I'm switching publishers. Uh, and then once that happens, uh, you know, they may want more Tucker books. They may want other kinds of books. So you're open to um, continuing oh Tucker yeah. depending on the, the, what your publisher yeah. is and looking then, for. And then you publisher. know there's, a, there's so much um, opportunity now with self-publishing and with e-books that if you want to you could, like the Robert B. Parker books were all about 50,000 words long. And he act, one he wrote was the, the typical 100,000 words, that was Catskill Eagle. He said he didn't like writing it. He didn't like it. He didn't think it was good. He wasn't going to do it anymore. <laughs> and so well, Ken, Catskill Eagle was the one where he and Susan broke up. That was like, <laughs> yeah, I right? hated that book. I really hated it. That whole it. little stretch in there. Um, but he wrote 50,000-word stories, and I think there's a lot of great stories at 50,000 words. So are yours? These are 80. Okay, so they're a little They're a little, little bigger, bigger, but I... Th but I think that the um, and and the the worst of times is actually two fifty thousand word stories interleaved. So it's a hundred thousand words, but it's two fifty thousand word stories. Oh, so were they actually really separate stories that you had to? I wrote do one and then the other. Do you the do alternating chapters now? Not not purely alternating, but yes, I, I jump from modern to past. Do you label it with the year? Yeah, okay, because yeah. that sometimes I know that that's a very common method these days of alternating time frames and I've found it confusing in some books when they don't really make it clear like yeah. which is which but now you've also got an anthology out and I thought this is, I asked you to bring your books and then I out pops scream and scream again which is short stories from mystery writers of America presented by R.L. Stein so yep. we all know him from Goosebumps yes. did he help select them what was yes. his involvement in them Yes, he, um, he selected, I think there are 20 stories in there, he selected 10, um, and then others were invited authors who said, please submit a story. I was among the, from the group that he selected, so I, don't, I think 150 stories So how did he know of you? D had he read Tucker's? Oh no, he just, that was just the story he had to live on its own. He didn't know me from anyone. So was the, the story, pre had it been previously published? Nope. 
So yeah. where did it come from then? Oh, I wrote it. Right, but how did R.L. Stein? Oh, I see. Uh, every year, uh, Mr. Eyes of America comes out with an anthology, and they at, they make an opportunity to submit stories to see if they will be chosen to be put in the anthology. And uh, so I just wrote a story that I thought would match the needs of that anthology. And you got a picked. And I got picked. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it was. Uh, did you like jump up and down? Did you get a phone call or an email? Uh, I got an email. I got an email and I ran up and told my wife. Oh, that's very <laughs> exciting, though. That's yeah. great. So, um, who else? Who were some other authors who were in this anthology? Do you know? Uh, you know what? I don't. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> all it said them. was yeah. like Ray Daniel, Ray Daniel. All right. Well, I'll take a look at this. This is great. Um, um, but you'll know the names in there. I mean, there are, there are a lot of top uh, mystery and thriller writing authors in there. Oh, uh, Daniel Palmer, I know, is in there. Okay. And um, So speaking of uh, mystery authors, who do you like to read? Now, we know we share a love of Robert B. Parker and mm -hmm. Dennis Lehane. Who else do you read when you read mysteries? I like to read uh, Karen Slaughter. Hmm, okay, I've never yeah, read any yeah, of those. Yeah, she's excellent, and she lives up to her name. And it's actually, <laughs> it's actually her name. Uh, <laughs> it's not like a thing. Um, and, uh, and in that same vein, uh, Chelsea Kane is. Um, mm, they're a, a, neither a, familiar to me, so that's yeah, good. What about true crime? Do you like true crime? I don't read true crime. Uh, never, never caught my attention. Um, you know, Mark Twain. The only true crime I ever read was Truman Capote's. Uh, in Cold Blood. Which in Cold is Blood, yeah. And Mark Twain said, you know, that. Uh, fiction is harder to write than nonfiction because fiction has to make sense. Yeah, that's isn't that <laughs> true? Because now you think about this whole Golden State Killer, which is like coming up in the weird way they found his DNA and yeah. all that stuff. I mean, that that is almost stranger than fiction. Yeah, and, and the, you know, in, in true crime, I, I, I'm just not a fan of the tropes or the expectations of the genre. What about um, other types of, um, what other genres? What do you enjoy reading? Or uh, give me I some of your favorite authors. Oh, I'll, 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 anything from Neil Stevenson, uh, I'll, I'll read. Neil Stevenson uh, writes big techie books. Uh, and uh, what's really something about them is that they're just unapologetically technical. Like he will simply write with a lot of technology in it and hundreds of thousands of people read his books. So are they them. fiction or not? Yeah, they're fiction. Really? Yeah. So what's like, give me an example of a plot. Um, <coughs> in uh, Seven Eves, the, uh, the moon gets shattered uh, by something. Page one, moon shattered. So oh, it's, oh. is it science fiction? It's, it's science it's, techie fiction? It's, it, that, that book is really hardcore science, uh, hard, old-fashioned hard science fiction with big machines and ah, stuff ah. like that. But in, but what happens is the moon, because it was shattered, it's, it, it, uh, it will eventually destroy the Earth. Right. And, um, and so it's the story of people preparing for the destruction of the Earth and what happens after the destruction of the Earth. And, oh, um, that, that and kind that's of, I yeah. like that kind of dystopian thing once in a while. Yeah, and then another big, I, I, I did this because this is how much room they take up on your shelf. There's three <laughs> uh, novels. Um, the Baroque Cycle is a series of books set from 16... 1620 to like 1650 to 1720 and th across the whole world and, uh, and and he calls it the epic about the epoch in which everything changed huh <laughs> and it's a uh, and you meet you learn about um, you, you learn about 
a lot of the politics of the 1600s. Isaac Newton's a character. A lot of your favorite. Uh, so you must like history and science. Then. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So that, well, that, I guess a tech guy would like yeah. at least science anyway. Now, you also mentioned to me that you're working on audiobooks for Tucker, yes. going back to Tucker for a minute. Yes. So can you tell us how that came about? Yes. Yeah, so um, I was um, doing a similar show to this one in Framingham. But not as good, right? Not, 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 not as good, unless they're watching. <laughs> unless they're just watching. as good. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Josh, uh, Carol Luck and Josh Brogadier had a show. And Josh does audiobook production. And, uh, and Audible has a system where an author who's got the rights to create the audio can get the, pr the book produced with no money down. So when you say have the rights for the audio, so do you, I mean, don't, when you write your book, so the publisher can sometimes take the rights to the audiobook as they opposed to you having it? They can buy the rights um, as part of the deal. Ah. And, um, and in our case, we didn't sell the audio rights. The, the publisher, we, Midnight Inc., doesn't do audiobooks, so they ah. didn't buy the audio rights. So I retained the audio rights so I could make my own audiobooks. And with Audible, uh, with ACX, you can do that. You can, you can uh, put your book up there, and uh, producers will send you auditions. And ah. you look at the audition, listen to the auditions, and then pick a producer. And then there's a couple of different business models, but the one I like is no one puts any money in. You wrote it, the producer produces it, and then you split the profit uh, once it's out. So on Audible, so Audible is a pay model? Do, do people pay for Audible? Yeah. Or do libraries have them Audible as well? I think so. I think the, I think Overdrive can probably get ah, into Audible. Because we have Overdrive at our library. Yeah, exactly. And the, and, the, uh, and you know that's all Amazon. So Amazon. Right. Uh, oh, I Audible. didn't know Amazon did Overdrive. Okay. Oh no, oh. no, they do Audible. Okay. Okay. And, but I would be surprised if they didn't make it somehow compatible with with Overdrive. So um, is Josh is also the narrator as well? Josh is the narrator. And uh, I have to say, what an experience listening to Terminated. Um, a, the book, I wrote it, my goodness, it came out in, you said, 2014? So you must have written it probably two years before that, right? right? Exactly. And um, so I hadn't really thought about the book for, for a long time. And so having Josh read it is I, I feel like a reader like I, I don't I don't feel like I wrote it I Tucker is now a character to me not a, pr a oh, creation that's so interesting because he's almost not yours because he's coming out of Josh's exactly. voice exactly oh, and uh, he does a wonderful job with Yao he's got this really deep Israeli accent and that's uh, and yeah. I love audiobooks and uh, before I got laid off I used to listen to it in the car and it was always um, the the reader's voice is absolutely, to me, equally as important as the story. Because if yes. the voice doesn't get you hopped <coughs> up and going, exactly. like you said, it's flat. You know, it can be really flat. Yeah, no, Josh has got all the characters. He's very good at putting the emotion in. Um, he's, there's some emotional scenes in the book that, uh, you know, having written them several times that had sort of drained out for me, but now I'm listening to them, I'm like, oh my God. Poor Tucker. <laughs> so do you, when he reads, like, do you, will you have to approve, do you approve it chapter by chapter? How does that work? He sent them um, all to me at once, and ah. I'm listening to them right now, and if I catch, uh, and I've, I've actually caught one error that I happen to know was in the, 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 the manuscript I gave him, and it's fixed in the book here, but it wasn't fixed in the previous one, ah. and Tucker is a, 
And the, no one would know this, but some some might. But Tucker is standing on Revere Beach, and he looks out, and he sees the the um, there's a there's a lighthouse out there, right? And in the in real life, in this book, and in real life, that that's Breed's Light is the name of the light that's out there. But in the in the Josh's version that I gave him. I had thought it was Boston Light at the time. Ah. And so I'm driving down, and he's like, I looked across to Boston Light. I'm like, that's not Boston Light. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, that's not Boston that's not, Light. I know I told you that was Boston <laughs> Light, but that's not. <laughs> that must be like a totally made an unworldly experience to hear your own words, especially since they were a while back, coming out of like a professional reader's mouth. It must be very thrilling, I would think. It's a lot of fun. And more so than the words themselves is to have the characters uh, dramatized. Yeah, that's right. <coughs> right, because the characters are in your head and you relate to them. I mean, that there are characters I like uh, more than other characters' characters. You know, I like the readers, I have my favorites among the characters. Uh, and have his take on the characters come back to me uh, is just wonderful. It's it's a lot of fun. Wow. I, I mean, I have had I had a wonderful uh, reader on books too. Someone who just does audiobooks, mm -hmm. but she doesn't write. She doesn't right. write it. She's and basically she said, as I mentioned to you, that her having an acting background was she felt yeah, was very exactly. important to her success. So. Exactly. Um, wow, you've really given me a lot to think about. Yeah. And so when will we hear more about your next book that you just finished two minutes ago? It takes a while. Um, the, um, we have five minutes, I think. Okay. Uh, it, uh, it takes a while it, it to, from the time you give a book to a publisher to the time it comes out is generally a year. Um, and from the time to take a manuscript that I've got and go through the process of finding a publisher can take a year. So it could be two years. It, uh, I'll just have to write other stuff in between, which is what you're supposed to do as an author. Anyway, you right. Do it, yeah, you just keep but writing. But you also have, uh, you have some e-books up, don't you, as well? I have some short stories up uh, that, that I wrote, uh, a couple with Yao. Um, I, she's a great short story character because, you know, this sort of uh, mono-focused yeah. character makes is great for a short story. They, they oh, because I, I found them when I was looking for pictures of the covers online. I'm going to have to check that out because I, yeah. I think she's a great character because you're always wondering, like, what's her stake in him? You know, yeah. she, like she, she's always there to protect him, but um, they're not like in love or anything like no. that. So it's really nice to have, you know, it's the old can men and women be friends? Yeah, that's well, right. Well, yeah. maybe a woman and men can be protectors of each other. Yeah, instead. yeah, exactly. So let me ask you one more question quickly, even though I'm getting the high sign. Do you write for a living, Ray, or do you have a, or another job? Oh, I have a day job. I design computer chips. Ah, okay. Yeah. So how much time do you get to spend writing? I write about an hour a day. Uh, ah. my goal Are you one of those, I have to sit down and I have a dedicated space and I write an hour a day? I write, yep, and I write, when I'm producing, when I'm doing the first draft, I write 500 words a day at least, ah. and just do that every day. And at the end of four months, you've got a book. Well, I can't <laughs> wait to see at the end of maybe another year when we see your next book. Yeah. And I want to thank you so much for being with me today. It's oh. been great to have you on Bookstew. And Bookstew viewers, you must check out Tucker. We've given you all the information here. And soon you'll get to hear the audiobook too. So that's really good news. Yep. So uh, have a good night, everybody. And thanks a lot, Ray. Oh, thank you. It was a lot of fun. Bye-bye.